Hi, Pastor John here. I just want to thank you for downloading or streaming this service from North Carolina Baptist Church. We pray that it encourages, challenges, and excites you in your walk with Christ as you prayerfully consider ways to impact your community for Christ. A couple things I want to say before we get into our video today. I just want to say that we're praying for you that you know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And if you do not know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you've not made that decision for yourself, you can, right there where you are, you can pray and confess your sins to Christ, repenting and turning from them, asking for forgiveness from Him by receiving the gospel, by receiving His, His grace that He's offering to you in the free gift of salvation, by putting your faith and trust in Him. If you have any questions about that, we'd love to answer those for you. Please reach out to us and let us know. We also want to let you know that if you would like to support what God is doing here at NGBC, we invite you at any time to go on our website, northgoodland.org, or by downloading our church app by going to North Goodland BC in your app store and downloading that right there on your mobile device. You can give a gift of any size at any time, and we greatly, greatly appreciate all the gifts of generosity that go towards the ministry here, helping us to do what God has called us to do to reach this world for Christ. Now, we invite you to prepare your heart to lift up the name of Christ, to be stirred by his word, all for his glory alone. Well, good evening and welcome to our Sunday evening service. I pray that you've had a blessed afternoon. I pray that things are going well with you today and your family. Um, and I want to invite you to open up to Romans chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the book of Romans tonight. Uh, we're actually going to be finishing up Romans 10. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Uh, I say that often. You know, oh, we're, going to, we're totally going to finish this chapter today. Uh, we're totally going to get done with it. Um, the reality is I never know that. Right, And it's something we always do go a little longer. But I really do believe tonight, based on where we're at in the passage uh, of Romans 10, we're going to be fine to finish up tonight. I pray that you've been encouraged by all that we've been studying through the book of Romans. Uh, again, there are notes attached to this video, a basic outline that you can follow so that you can kind of get into God's word on your own. And obviously go deeper, uh, explore different aspects maybe that we don't even get into. And if you have any questions, if you ever have any questions in general about things that we study as a ministry, let me know. But if you have specific questions about Romans 10, or maybe the passage we're going to be in tonight, please let me know. I would love to answer those for you and have a conversation about uh, where we stand on those things. And so Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 18 in just a moment. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground, so I encourage you, if you missed any of our previous videos uh, on Romans 10 or Romans 9, please go back and check those out. It's going to fill in a lot of gaps for you, and I don't want to have to take a whole lot of time to review here uh, in this video, but just know that Paul has been establishing an amazing kind of a process of evangelism, and it's really, really cool to see how he did that. So check that out in the previous video, and watch God just kind of open your heart and mind to that, I pray. Uh, verse 18 of Romans chapter 10. Let's jump into that. Verse 18 through 21. It says here, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Verse 21. But to Israel, he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and naysaying people. That's one of the most, it could be one of the most powerful verses in Romans as a whole. But definitely in this chapter, it's amazing to see how often. God reminds us 
that he is so gracious and so kind, as we unpack this morning, to be able to reach out to a disobedient, disobedient people. And he's constantly pursuing us and wanting relationship with us, even in our disobedience. Do you see that in verse 21? I stretched up my hand to a disobedient, not to a people that were disobedient, past tense, no, present tense, to a people that are currently disobedient, I'm stretching forth my hand because as long as we have breath in our lungs, there is time for repentance. And so I want to ask that we would just pray, open up this time together. Um, I want to encourage you, obviously, if you have any prayer concerns or anything of that nature that you would like prayed for, please let us know. Uh, submit that to us and, and we are excited to be able to pray for you, whether it be uh, if you want to email me or do that on the app. You can do a prayer concern thing on the app there, uh, but let me know if we can be praying for you anyway. And praying for your neighbors, praying for your community, praying for wisdom for our leadership and our government, pray for wisdom for those that are uh, opening businesses back up and pray that things will be able to transition smoothly back into uh, getting people working again. Uh, just be in prayer for all of that. Um, as I know, it's going to be a lot of just kind of touch and go things. And so some of this is trial and error for some people. They don't really know what it's going to look like, but I'm so thankful if we've learned anything so far in Romans, is that God is in control. And I know I say that a lot, but it's true. Romans chapter 9 unpacks the idea of God's sovereignty, that he is at work even when we don't understand it. So let's pray and ask God to be with our time together tonight. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your patience and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your pursuit of us that we would desire to know you more. Father, I pray that we would understand that your grace is for us, and that you have a purpose and a will in all things that we go through in this life, that you would be glorified, that we would grow in you and others would be blessed. Father, help us to make you known this week ahead. Uh, help us to have conversations that revolve around you, your grace, your love, and your mercy, that we would desire more than convincing someone of our opinion being right or wrong, uh, our opinion right and their opinion being wrong, that we would desire more to, to lead people and invite people into an uh, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Father, thank you for all that you're going to do and all you have done. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking in Romans 10 about kind of this process of Paul desiring for Israel to come to know Christ, to come to be saved. And so we've unpacked a lot of that. And here in verses 18 to 21, Paul starts off by saying that, listen, I just told you kind of the process of someone needs to go from hearing about Christ to calling the name of Christ and believing and trusting and all those things. But here's what he says in verse 18. He's saying, that's what the Jews need to have happen to them. They need to have somebody go to them and share with them and all these things. By the way, this is exactly what Paul was doing and continue to do. And what we can do as a principle, uh, we see that pattern and we can apply it to as a principle of evangelism, that we desire to share with people verbally this truth of God's love for them, that they would believe and call on the name of the Lord. But what's amazing is Paul says in verse 18 that the Jews already heard. They, they already were aware now, while many will and have called upon the name of the Lord, there were those in Israel, and by the way, this is true of today, right? There are many who have called the name of the Lord, but there are also those who will never choose to call the name of the Lord. They will constantly reject the truth of God's word. In Israel, there were those that refused to cry out and to call out and decide to follow Christ. Just like there's people today that no matter how much you encourage them and get them in God's word and, and put the truth before them, they in their hearts may never choose to receive Christ. We don't carry the burden of conversion, by the way. 
Uh, we, it's not up to us to make somebody get saved. All we're called to do is to lay before them the truth of God's word, to, to lovingly and graciously invite them into the relationship, to be transparent enough to say that, hey, I've sinned, I've broken God's law, and this is how God has saved and redeemed me. I'm not better than you, I'm not perfect. It's just that I was, was invited into the relationship and I received it by God's grace to know Christ more. And so we invite people into that. We're not trying to, and we can have conversations. I'm all for apologetics and presenting, uh, if you want to use the word arguments, maybe evidences for Christianity as a, a belief system, as a worldview that fits with what we see around us. I'm all for that. Um, men like Ravi Zacharias, who uh, is just an amazing man of God. I mean, just brilliant. Uh, the things that God has shown him and helped him to understand. I, I love what they do and what so many do to be able to kind of have a conversation with someone that is maybe skeptical or, or doesn't believe and to show them from science or archaeology or just simple philosophy of whatever it may be that Christianity, the biblical worldview, makes sense not only because we believe it's true because it's God's word, but it makes sense with the evidence we see around us. I'm all for that. I'm not saying we don't have those conversations. What I'm saying is you may present all the best case studies, all the best evidence. Everything is good. I mean, it's a perfect sound presentation. And they still may look at you and say, yeah, I don't care. I don't want it. And it breaks our hearts, but no, it breaks God's heart even more. And so Paul's saying, while there's some that are going to receive Christ, man, there's going to be some that never do. Paul uses some Old Testament references with prominent figures, Moses and Isaiah, to drive home the point that Israel heard the truth and should have understood that they had been given enough knowledge to believe, so they heard and knew and they could have believed and could have called, but they chose not to. Basically, verse 18 answers the question in the affirmative that yes, the Jews heard, so therefore they could have called on him. An example of this would be Psalm 19. I encourage you to study it on your own. A psalm that emphasizes the revelation of God in the world. So listen now, this is amazing. Psalm 19, one psalm, breaks down. In verses 1 through 6, we see God in creation. In verses 7 through 11, we see the words of God. And so in this one psalm, we see both the God in creation, the, what we call the, the natural revelation, and we see the words of God, or what we call the special revelation of God, combining together to present enough information that the Jews who had these words and saw God could have believed had they chosen to. These two together, the book of Revelation and the book of nature, if you want to call it that way, give us the clear picture of God. Israel had the first of both. The nation saw God at work in creation. Just read the Exodus accounts and the way that God uh, worked in and through a cloud, a, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and splitting the seas and, and all the many things that God did to show he is the God over creation. Look, I'm controlling these things. I'm, I'm creator God. But then they also had through the law and the prophets, the very words of God. And the Jews had the first of both of those things. And yet still some would just reject. The truth is Israel is guilty before God and they cannot say they had not heard because they had heard all that was needed to place their faith in Christ. Another result of their rejection. So here we read about the rejection of Israel. The rejection of a nation, if you want to say it that way. I'm not saying every single Jew at this time rejected Christ. I'm saying as a nation, they rejected Christ. Another result of their rejection is that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
goes to the Gentiles, which was prophesied actually by Moses, Deuteronomy 3, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 32, 21, and by Isaiah, Isaiah 6, uh, 65, 1. This is in your notes as well. And the act of grace, it, or sorry, it is an act of grace to the Jews and the Gentiles because of God allowing both the Jews to hear the gospel message, but also the Gentiles to hear the gospel message. So God is saying to uh, us, through the Apostle Paul, and we see this in chapter 9, verses 23 to 26, that God is being gracious, and it's an act of grace to both the Jews and the Gentiles. This idea as well, from going from the Jews to the Gentiles, we see in the book of Acts. Uh, it is an amazing picture in the book of Acts as well. When the church began to grow, it followed a, quote, to the Jews first picture. They would go to the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. This is the kind of the overall picture of the book of even Acts. So in Acts 1 through 7, Acts chapters 1 through 7, we see the gospel goes to the Jews. Then it was to the Gentiles in that same area who were Jewish proselytes. They weren't Jewish by uh, birth or heritage, but they were Gentiles who became Jews. They converted to Judaism. In Acts 1 through 7, we see that's the primary group that's being exposed to the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, following the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church, we see the gospel goes to Samaria. So it's beginning that journey out, which was actually what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So Acts 1 through 7, we see it's primarily going to the Jews or to Gentiles that were converted to Judaism. Verse, or chapter 8, verses 1 through 8 of Acts, we see that transition period from the stoning of Stephen, which happens in chapter 7, great persecution. And so the church, the believers, begins to kind of spread out, and we see the gospel going into Samaria through the church. We know that Jesus obviously went to Samaria. But then in Acts chapter 10 forward, we see the gospel is sent to the Gentiles, which began with Peter having to be shown by God to go to them with truth and grace, not in prejudice. We see this amazing picture of God uh, showing Peter some prejudice that was in his life that maybe Peter didn't even know was there. And so in Acts, we see this picture unfolding to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. Now again, this is because, and as Paul saying in Romans, God is not sitting in heaven going, nope, this people group I'll save and this people group I won't save. It's a picture that God is saying, man, I came to the Jews first, my people, the nation of Israel. I went to you first, and as a nation, you rejected me. And so now, because of your rejection, I'm showing you that this is transitioning to the Gentiles. What's also amazing about this is that it's showing God not forgetting about the Jews, but transitioning from the old covenant to the new covenant. That now he's his catalyst of change in the world, the 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 body that he is now working through is through the church. This is what Peter says, a peculiar people, right? A holy nation. That's referring to the church, those that are in Christ. And the amazing thing too is it's removing some of those lines that was once drawn. Now, Paul says it, other gospel writers say this, other, I should say, New Testament writers say this, that there is no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free it, it's one body. We're all in Christ. And that's the amazing picture that's being unfolded through the book of Acts. The last result we see in chapter 10 of Israel's rejection is that God still desires to have a relationship with Israel, which shouldn't really surprise us because God desires that all would come to repentance. Second Peter 3.9 
we end with verse 21, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning. Verse 29, or 21, is a quote from Isaiah 65, 2. And it expresses that God is always willing to save, always willing to forgive, and extend His grace to those who call out to Him. While we have breath in our lungs, we can repent, we can turn from our sin, and we can be saved. There is so much amazing truth in this chapter that demonstrates that God desires to reach all people with his gospel. That the Jews are not forgotten by God, but they, are, they have the opportunity to hear and repent. Also, we find the challenge in this chapter that the only way people will call upon the name of the Lord and receive his grace is if someone is sent to them to preach to them the word of God. So let me encourage you with this. As a part of the body of Christ, as a follower of Christ, know that you don't have to wait for a special invitation to be sent to preach the gospel. Jesus gave us that in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. We have been commissioned and we are being sent and have been sent out into the world that others may come to know Christ. We see a God in this chapter that desires to make himself known and he will continually stretch out his hand of salvation to us. And so my challenge to you is this, as we wrap up chapter 10, and you see that God is this kind of a God, and that his salvation is to all peoples who would repent and turn from their sin, my challenge to you is this, how are you doing in the area of evangelism? How are you doing in sharing your faith with others? How are you doing in communicating the reality of your salvation to others that need to know Christ? See, there's, a, there's kind of a, a line here that we have to be so careful of. Some people, they get so passionate that they almost come across as beating people up with the gospel. They come across as more like, I'm better than you or holier than thou than somebody that says, hey, I'm an undeserving soul that received grace just like God wants to do in your life. Sometimes we think that because we sin differently or maybe we sinned in the past differently than someone else that somehow we're not as bad as them. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in trying to condemn someone's current sin situation and make them feel as bad as possible that we forget the reality that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And again, it doesn't mean we don't address sin. We need to address sin because sin is the reason that Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was crucified. But the reality is that if we aren't careful, with great intention, we might try to communicate the truth of the gospel to somebody. But if we don't do it in love, as, as Paul says in Galatians, if we don't go humbly, believing that we could be in that same situation tomorrow, that we will come across as arrogant. And God forbid that the followers of Christ who know Christ and received his grace, and the only reason we're going to heaven is because of his grace, God forbid that we would ever come across as arrogant or boasting in ourselves. No, no, we boast in the cross. Now, I'm not saying that when you preach Christ that someone won't consider you arrogant because, and they may judge you as being better than them or they may judge you as saying that you think you're just, you have all the answers. That happens. What I'm saying is don't let their accusations be proven true by your hearts. Allow your heart to speak truth in love to those in need. We don't compromise the gospel, but, but we got to be careful. I, I've heard people share the gospel, not in our ministry or in our church, but just in my Christian life. And it almost comes across more as, well, well you got to get this right and you got to clean up and you got to do this. It's more of a, a works-based presentation than it is really a grace-centered invitation. 
And so I want to challenge all of us. And this is to me too, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying I've got yet evangelism figured out and I'm, I'm perfect in this area. But I want to encourage you, how are you doing in sharing Christ? Do you believe you've been sent out? Do you believe that God has actually commissioned you as a follower of Christ to go? Are you waiting for something else? Are you fearful because you don't think you know enough? Are you fearful because you think you're going to get asked a question that you don't have an answer to? Are you procrastinating because you just are scared? You don't know what they're going to say. Now, all of that happens to all of us. But I want to remind you that you have been sent out and you've been given the greatest message the world will ever know. See, the reality is that our opinions won't change anything. Our opinions are subjective and based in me. But the gospel is truth based in the unchanging word of God. And he is stretching forth his hand to those that need to know him. So my encouragement to all of us is let's get busy about sharing the gospel. Let's get busy about letting people know that they can know Christ. And if you're listening to this tonight right now and you don't know Christ, man, let me tell you that you can receive him right now by repenting of your sins, which just means to turn from them, to acknowledge you've sinned, done wrong, return from those things, and ask God to save you by believing and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just cry out to him and say, I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins that I would live for you. I pray that God would work in and through your lives as we continually desire to please him. Let's pray and thank him for being the God that he is. Father, your hand is reaching and stretching out to those in need. And thank you that we get to be the ones that connect those individuals to you. That we get to be the tool that you use through your church to make sure that others know the gospel. Father, help us to be serious about these things, to be passionate and busy about these things, that you would be glorified. Father, again, I know that right now everyone is so busy uh, and, and understandably so, Lord, consumed with sharing opinions on different things, government and all kinds of things, and that's, that's fine. We can have our opinions there. I pray you give us great discernment that we would know what we need to be doing as a people, as a follower of Christ. But I pray that we'd be more passionate about making disciples, more passionate about exposing, exposing people to the Word of God, more passionate about seeing people who don't know Christ come to know Christ. And may we be ever so careful that we don't for a second think that someone, because they've done this or that, are, quote, too far gone. May we look at people and see people with the eyes of Christ. That is a, if there's breath in their lungs, there's a chance for repentance. And all we can do is invite them. We don't convert anyone. You do the saving work by the working of your Holy Spirit. I pray you give us wisdom in this. And thank you for the opportunities you're going to lay before us this week. May you be glorified in all that is said and done. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week ahead. Uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the opportunities God has given you. And if you need anything, please let us know as a ministry. Let me know personally that we can do. if we can do anything for you, we want to do it to help you to grow in Christ to be all that God has for you to be and to reach your community with his love and grace. God bless you guys. We'll see you real soon. Have a great week.